Hi, welcome to another teaching message from Sycamore Church, Ibadan, Nigeria. So, big question, everybody. Big question this morning. What tricked you out of those days when you thought, I'm never going to get married? What tricked you out of it? You know, because don't lie. I'm sure you've been there before. At some point in your existence where you said those words that I'm not going to marry. I'm, 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 I'm done with it. The whole marriage thing. Okay, or maybe, maybe what I should even ask is what, first of all, pushed you into that thought? Maybe it was you just as a single person. You just really loved the idea of being single. You just really valued it. It was so special. You were catching your cruise, um, you know, doing what you wanted to do. And you said, ah, I cannot come and be married and somebody's son will be stressing me, you know, all over the place. Or maybe it was that you saw somebody else's marriage and it was really messed up. Maybe something you grew up around or somebody down the road or something like that. And you told yourself, I'm never going to get married. Um, or maybe it was... You were in the whole process, you were talking to somebody's daughter and it was going good, but when her prospective, you know, her father, your own prospective father-in-law started to stress you, you one day found yourself saying those words, what's gone, what's gone, what's gone, I'm not even going to marry, what? You know, stuff like that. Um, or maybe for you as a lady, it was you just doing hard girl, hard girl, hard girl, you know, I cannot come and be loving a man, I cannot come and be like, no, 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 I'm just, I'm just, I just got my, you know, and all of that. Um, and you ended, landed somehow on those words that I'm not going to get married. Okay, so maybe the question I should actually be asking this morning is, how is it going with that resolution? Um, no, um, maybe you are now 10 years into your marriage, um, you know, or maybe hard girl has now fallen and um, is very deep in love, you know, what you get, uh, you are now uh, deep in love, or maybe crush has crushed your resolve, you know, um, crush dealt with you and it crushed every determination you ever had in life and, and all of that. Or perhaps, maybe even this morning as we speak, you are still holding firm to that resolution that, you know, I said it and I'm staying by it. I'm never, never, you know, going to get married, okay? But wherever you are on the journey, I think that you're going to hear something today that what I'm believing God for is that it's going to help your perspective because I believe if God wants to get our lives right, he gets our perspective right. So what I'm believing God to do this morning is to just help our perspective in this whole space of marriage, okay? As I share with you about being married to about somebody that is married to Jezebel. Um, okay, and um, let, let me ask you this one. Do you know that thing of like you are maybe in a conversation and you had like a really good comeback? You know that thing of having a comeback? You had said something that you were not supposed to say and then it was turning against you, but you got yourself a, a really good comeback, all right? Um, maybe you were watching TV and you know somebody came into the house and was trying to say, let's change it, that this football you're always watching. And you said that even my wife cannot change this station and all of that. And then you just looked up and saw her you know, looking at you, that what did you say, you know? And then you now have to start saying, baby, what I mean is that it's not you that will change it, you send me to change it, you know, or something, right? And but just that idea of getting you a good comeback, all right? But sometimes um, the comeback does not come back. It does not, it does not come, you know? Um, one day, a couple of months ago, I was talking with my wife and we're just in a conversation and um, just for background, my wife is like the, if I'm like an engine, my wife is like the kick of my engine. She's like the power, like she drives, like she's like the driving part um, many times in our marriage, all right? Um, so she's like, really like my driving strength. Um, and yeah, this is like the good part of what I'm about to say, you know? <laughs> because I can naturally just be laid back and shy and stuff like that. So my wife many times is always... Maybe to use the word driving me might not, let, let's put it better. Let's say she's always inspiring me um, towards doing stuff and maybe a little pushy sometimes, but you know, just like inspiring, like no baby, like and all of that. Okay, so one of those days we're having, and before I say this, I promise guys, because um, I know 
you might judge me for this, but I promise that I, I absolutely promise upon the order of God that I don't verbally abuse my wife or anything like that. I promise, I promise, okay? Let's just hold that in one hand as I'm about to say this. But that day, um, and some of you will still judge me when I say it, but, but that day, you know, she was just being, you know, just that amazing person, drive inspiring me, you know, and I'm just going, and she was, on, and at some point, I just, ah, what's gone, Jezebel? And, and, and then she's like, me, Jezebel, I'm like, no, what I mean. I can't, the comeback was not coming. I started, and then I'm trying to explain, babe, the thing with Jezebel, First Kings chapter 21, verse 25, look at this. There was no one like Ahab who sold himself to do wickedness inside of the Lord. But look at this, because Jezebel, his wife, stirred him up. Babe, what I mean? See, Jezebel was a bad woman, but she was, she was a good wife. She stirred him up. There's something about how, yeah, it didn't work. You know, me, Jezebel. You know, and I, I myself, I was asking, what would I, how can I, you know something Satan just puts in your mouth and goes away, like, it's after you have said it that you realize this was Satan, you know, and all of that. But, but let me ask you, what would you actually do if you are, let's say, married to Jezebel? Um, are you the kind of person that will just run away, hey, me? <laughs> or we, we die there, you know, we die there. Um, and today, as I speak to you about being married too, um, I hope to actually point you to something more important, maybe to a more important focus than who you are married to or who you even plan to be married to. Just about the concept of marriage. So I wonder what your marriage experience is like as we speak and where you are. You know, sometimes there's the pain of figuring out the tensions of marriage. Maybe you're in it and, um, you know, trying to figure out, sort out the tensions of marriage. You know, marriage is when a man and a woman become one. But the trouble starts when they try to decide which one. Um, maybe you are finding your way in and around this whole space of marriage. You know, some men will tell you, some men here who are married will tell you that arguing with your wife is similar to reading all those terms and conditions on a product. You know, you, there's a whole long thing happening, but you just want to get over it and get to the point where I say I agree so that we can just move on. Like, it just makes the world better uh, and all of that. Listen to this. A couple went to a supermarket to shop for some groceries. And after some time, the husband could not find his wife. So he was looking for her, he couldn't find her. So he approached the beautiful woman around and he asked her, he said, I'm sorry, but I seem to have lost my wife and I can't find her. Would you mind if I talk to you for a minute or two? So Duma was like really confused, like, you said you're looking for your wife, why do you want to talk to me? So the guy now says, actually, every time I talk to a beautiful woman, my wife finds me out of nowhere, in no time, she'll just appear. And that's like, so good way to be looking for her. But whether you are in this or not yet, or maybe you have even experienced pain in the space of marriage, maybe what you've seen, maybe what you have even experienced, I actually think that it's really easy for us to miss the big point of marriage, the biggest point of marriage, or the biggest strength of marriage as we just enter the conversation of marriage for what it is. So when I think about being married, I think dominantly, first of all, if somebody tells me they don't get married, the first question that just seems to pop to my mind is to who? I think about who I'm married to, and that is honestly understandable. But if you've tracked with us in this series, we have seen that God is really intentional. Not just as a being, God is a very intentional being, but we have also seen that God is intentional even about the whole marriage thing. Do you notice that right at the opening scenes of the Bible, the Bible opens with God conducting a marriage in the Garden of Eden. And do you notice that at the end of the Bible, the Bible also ends with a wedding between Jesus and his bride. And in fact, if you track it, everything that happens in between those two weddings, everything that happens is a beautiful, hot, romantic story of the tensions and the moments and the love and passion and intrigue and all of that as Jesus is relentlessly pursuing his bride and eventually he is earning his bride to himself. 
Do you remember that even as you're reading through the Bible and you're seeing how God is just big about the whole idea of marriage? Do you remember the story of Hosea and, of, and how God came to this prophet and told him, go and get you married to a prostitute who was Goma. And Hosea is in this hole and God is using marriage to illustrate a point about himself and his love for the people of Israel. Um, do you even notice that the very first miracle, the very first miracle that Jesus did was not, you know, he wasn't raising a dead man. He wasn't, you know, raising a lame man or giving sight to a blind. Do you notice that the first miracle of Jesus was that he went to a wedding party and he put wine back in the party where, where it had gone sour, where it had gone dry. Jesus was coming back into a wedding party. And I would say today that God obviously, as you look through scripture, God obviously loves the idea of marriage. And not only that he loves to include marriage in his own story, I also believe that God loves to write himself in the story of marriages. And so it's not just that God is taking marriages and putting them in his story. God is actually writing himself into the story of marriages. You know, as you look through the trajectory of Jesus walking on the earth, Jesus was almost like that woman or that guy that is getting ready for their wedding and everything is just about their wedding, you know. And everything, you're like, okay, we have heard, oh, you're about to marry. And then the slightest thing, they say, ah, that, you know, my babe, you know, in my home, my marriage, my home, and all of that. And you're like, we know you're going to marry, that this thing is just shocking you. Jesus was almost that kind of guy. Because as Jesus is walking on earth and he's telling stories and he's talking and all of that, do you notice that it's just his passion for his bride? And he's telling stories about how a man threw a wedding feast. He's telling stories about, about, about just his passion and the whole walk, about looking for the lost and finding, and he's building it up to how he is going to earn his bride. And I'll say today that if the whole idea of marriage is such a big deal to God, then I think it should be such a big deal to us. But we have succeeded in somehow making our big marriage questions, you know, bigger than the God picture of marriage. And so we have a lot of questions and about our plans and what's going to happen and about, you know, how marriage is going to work out. And we've somehow made those questions so big that we've lost sight of how God himself sees it. And so we have questions about, you know, thinking about getting married and you have questions about the plans for the ceremony and questions about, you know, your future in-laws. You have questions about even your partner, you know, who is the person, how would the person come, you know, compatibility questions and, you know, changes, sustainability, all of that questions going on. And we have somehow succeeded in making those the biggest questions about marriage. But what I would say is that if marriage is such a big deal to God and it is all over his story, then I think it must be such a big deal to us. Please stay with me because I'm going somewhere. You see, if marriage was just a good idea of society that ah, at some point when you're getting old, you know, you have to think about settling down, settling down. If it was just like a societal idea and all of that, then the truth about every good idea is that at some point every good idea can become a bad idea. But what I would say today is that if marriage was ever a good idea, then a good idea is timeless. A good idea is not just about, you know, working its way into the now. If marriage was just like a beautiful idea 20 years ago or 100 years ago, then at some point it can be outdated. But if marriage was ever a good idea, then a good idea is timeless. And what I'm going to say today is that marriage is a timeless God idea. It is high intensity. God is in this thing. Like it is a very big deal. There's such a weight about it. It's not just a side thing. It's not just a society thing. It's not just a culture thing. It's not just an age thing. It is a big God thing. And because it is a God thing, then we have to be asking ourselves, how are we responding to it? And so today I want to say that there are three possible approaches, three possible responses that we can be taking in the marriage question. And I hope every one of us, if you'll stay with me, I said all of that just as a foundation because I think every one of us will be able to look at ourselves and say, man, maybe I'm somewhere in, somewhere in each of these three things. Okay, so the first thing we can do, having said that it's a big deal, it's such a high intensity thing, I think the first approach is that we can start to trivialize a high intensity thing. 
The first approach is that we can be trivializing something that is a very big deal. In Hebrews 13 and verse 4, we were quoting this last week. The Bible says marriage is honorable among all. And I was saying that there is such an honor about marriage. And what we can do is that we can just start to treat something that is honorable in a very, like, whatever kind of way. You know, one of the things my wife and I have been working on very hard recently is that we're trying to teach our children just that idea of the value of things, you know. The fact that you get things free doesn't make it valueless, right? And of course, you know, don't judge us when it's not like I'm that African parent that would always lecture their child about how at your age I didn't. No, not that, but just in a reasonable way. Like you should just know the value of things. Because if you know the value of things, you can appreciate them right. You can treat, you would handle them right when you kind of know the value and stuff like that. But when you just think everything is, you know, you can just throw away money, you can just do things, you can just, you know, waste food, you know, and all of that. You're trying to say, man, do you know the value of stuff, all right? And for context, because sometimes I'm driving out with my son. Uh, we're driving out with the kids and then my son is like um, dad buy this thing and then I'm like I, I don't have money to buy that and then he would make statements like eh, let's go to the POS and collect and I'm trying to explain that young man do you think that when we go to POS you think that man is just dashing people money like no no you know but it, it, the idea of money is that it's something that when you don't have you just go to and collect alright and I'm asking today that is it possible that by our smallness we can trivialize something that is a big deal is it possible that because of how small we are we can be making light of something that is a very big deal. So you hear stuff like marriage and somebody, mm, what's there? What's the big deal? You know, what's there? You know, and then you even, maybe even just looking from before marriage into marriage. And yet, I don't even know why people are even making a big deal of this thing. Uh-uh. So it means to marry. Uh-uh. What's there? To love somebody. Just forgive. Just love. Like, I don't know why people make a big deal. See, me, I'm the kind of person that, no, no, no. I don't hold things. I just, I know that me, the kind of husband I would be. When I marry, I just like, mm, what's there? What's there? What's there? What's there? <laughs> and it's just the way you can make it look like, mm, what's there? What's there? Okay. Okay, we all thought. <laughs> you know, it's always interesting when I see people before married with all their philosophies that me, I always tell people about myself. I'm the kind of, <laughs> you don't know yourself. <laughs> even you, you don't know yourself, you know. Or maybe you're even in it, and for you, it's just not a big deal. Like, I'm trying to say, this is like a high-intensity God thing. God started out the Bible with this. God closes the Bible with it. Everything in between is a God story about this. Then maybe I'm even in it, and for me, it's just, it's not a big deal. Like, yeah, I kind of made vows and, you know, stuff, but I can just live anyhow. You don't necessarily put the honor on it, you know. There's no practical wisdom about how I am even being faithful with the vows that I made and, you know, no practical boundaries. It's not a big deal. Do you realize that when you said yes to one person before God, do you realize that by implication you are saying no to many people? Do you realize that, you know? Um, But I can just kind of... Flirt. I can just, it's just not really a big deal, you know. There's no intentionality about how you're even trying to build. Proverbs 14, verse 1 says that the wise woman builds her hope, but the foolish woman pulls it down with her hands. And it's always intriguing to me to realize that there's even nothing in between. I'm like, okay, I'm not necessarily building, but of course, I'm not destroying. It says, no, you're either the wise woman who is building, you're either investing and on the front foot of saying, I'm building this thing, or by implication, you're destroying. If you're not building, you are destroying that, just being foolish by not being wise. And there's nothing in between, like, no, nah, I'm about to build. No, 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 you're already destroyed and I plan to be no you're already destroyed am I building my home am I building my love am I building my relationship am I building vision am I on the front foot of of, of these things the Bible says if you're not doing that then you're destroying and, and I can't just take this as like it's not a big deal it is a big deal there's like a weight that it calls me to I don't want to trivialize something that is a big deal you know yeah I know that I'm kind of married but I just kind of switch off every here and there you know I cannot allow somebody cannot come and lose my identity because ah, it's my you know see before I'm married there were things you know I'm just trying to say do you see the weight of what God puts on this thing 
you know, we live in a generation where there's just that kind of, you know, ah, if it doesn't work, I'm out of here. I'm like, I'm out of here. I did, I did not come to this world for stress. You know, the guy has like a pace lash or she has like a something. Hey, no, 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 me, I'm from, a, you know, just that sense of trivializing something that is a big deal. The practical wisdom. How do we handle seasons? Yeah, one of being married is different from year five of being married. Am I intentional about the seasons? Am I even learning? My wife has an expression. She will say how to childproof your marriage. Are you learning? Are you, it's definitely a sense of where we are. is not where we were. And what are we even doing differently? And at some season of marriage, things have changed. And I have to be casting vision for the new seasons. And my question today is, are we trivializing what this is about just because of a busy world and all of that? Are we trivializing how we think about it? Because it is possible that by our smallness, we trivialize something that is a big deal. And unfortunately, the truth, friends, is that we live in a culture that actually trivializes it already for us. That you know that the big C of commitment in marriage, the big C that used to be commitment is now the big C of ceremony, you know. And so it's just about how the vibe that we can create and all of that and how we can smile on the outside and just make it look and how many human beings we can feed and all of that. And that's, so there's no intentionality about these things. It's the intentionality even about parenting, you know, just that sense of, well, then they're all right. Like these children, even me, my parents were not, the, but, but I came out all right. You know, that, just like a, we just, God says it's a big deal. And the picture that I have in my mind I'm trying to show you is like how you can have something that is so big but you can be handling it in a small way. Like somebody walks up to you and dashes you like the latest iPhone, like it is loaded, there is capacity, there's so much you can do. And the only thing you have done with it for the last one year is that you have sent SMS and received SMS. And you're trying to say, ah, do you know the capacity of what you hold? Many of you would be honest with me this morning that you know your father, I guess, has that computer that like, is mad. But... He just opens Microsoft Word. I want to type a letter. Come and help me type. And you're trying to say, that this computer, okay, that, can we exchange computer? I say, no, I bought it. And he tells you how much he bought it. I know. I said, do you know what this thing can do? Many of you, amen, amen. All right. You know, do you know what this, this thing has capacity? And I'm asking today, are we holding something that God is saying, man, do you understand? I put myself in this. It is so loaded. It is a big deal. And you're just like, mm, I'm the kind of, no. You see the weight of this. And today I pray that by our smallness we will not trivialize something that is a big deal. But it's something, the second thing that I think happens, so on one hand we can trivialize, that could be a first approach where you just don't take anything without how you look at how you think about it. The second thing that I think happens, you know, is that, um, so in Matthew chapter 19, Jesus is speaking with his disciples and he's just showing them the full weight of this thing that, man, this is a big deal. You can't just, it's not just a matter of here. Jesus was talking about divorce and just about the standard of marriage and telling them that, see, before God, it is a big deal. Oh, hey, don't water this thing. And he was talking about, and his disciples were listening to everything and just the weight that God puts on marriage. Then in Matthew 19 verse 10, ah, Jesus now objected. And I was, ah, if those are the terms of marriage, we will be stuck. Why get married? It's better to just stay single. I think the second approach that we can take is that, ah, Omar, this, oh God, big thing, Omar, just let it stay somewhere there, Omar, times 1,000. Like, it's better to stay single. I think the second thing we can do is that we can be running away from a high-intensity thing. You know, this is that space where commitment just sounds like, hey, like, Omar, I'm not ready for all of that to... You know, and the truth is, all the fears now start to come real. All the potential fears, it's just that space where I start to run away from a high-intensity thing. All the fears start coming, you know, how do I even know who to get my whole life be sure? That, okay, so I kind of know this person we've been talking about. How can I know, know, know what is inside the person? How can I really, really, really verify? How can I investigate? How can I be sure? So it's just this whole idea of the fears that how will I be sure is the right person? You know, what will even happen when, what will happen when we marry? How do I know something will not go wrong? You know, what if I, I, I lose? 
lose my personal identity, you know? Because the way I've grown up, will I lose myself, you know, and to somebody's son, you know? What if I, what if I fall out of love um, or if I stop feeling attracted to my spouse? Eh? Well, now, because we're saying it's big commitment, you're there, and then you're not, ah, it's better to even just be processing this. Me, I also know that 10 years ago, I really felt I liked this person. Now, I'm even ashamed of that. How do I know? That 10 years can't, do you get what I'm trying to say here? <laughs> so it's like, oh, well, let's just, <laughs> you know, um, with my marriage, it won't turn out like maybe my parents or, because I know my parents, ah, they started out on fire for each other. Ah, and now the way I see them, ah, they're sending me message to each other. Ah, I don't know that, you know, or what if I even change my mind about this at some point in my life? Or if I outgrow it, you know? If I don't feel attracted, or we can just start building up all the fears. You start thinking, okay, what if when we have children, let's say we have children, then our children now start growing up. Then maybe they are now, um, let's say our child, our first child is now 10 years old. So for his 10th birthday, he now says he wants to do a party. So okay, we now do a party. So we now say he can invite his friends for the party. So his friends now come, but maybe one of his friends is a bad child. So that friend does not greet my spouse well. And my spouse, it looks like he has tendency towards anger. Then he's now angry. Then my spouse now beats that person. Calm down. Calm down. And you're just in that whole narrative of what can possibly go wrong. And see, when I say this about running away from it, of course, you probably won't say I'm running away, but there, there are different ways we can talk about that. Sometimes people are just saying, I'm not ready, I'm not ready, I'm not ready. You know, uh, maybe I have a five-year plan. And sometimes, what is that five years? You know, I'm not even thinking about it. I'm not that kind of person. Whatever words we use for it, I'm asking today that is fear running you away from a God thing. Is that just a sense of fear that is pushing you away? And see, listen to me well. If in some way you can relate with that, it's actually a good place to be. It's a good tension to face. Because what that means to me is that you are seeing a weight. It's one thing to just trivialize it and say it's not a big deal, but it's another thing to say I'm actually seeing the weight, but what then should be my response to that? So I can see the weight. I can see the big deal. And the third thing that I'll say this morning is that I hope you're not just going to trivialize a God thing, and I hope you're not going to run away from a God thing, but I hope today that you're going to sense a high-intensity invitation. That as you think about just God's story of marriage, I hope today that you're going to sense a high-intensity invitation. So in Ephesians chapter 5, whoever is coming on keyboard, start getting ready. Ephesians chapter 5 from verse 23, um, Paul is saying that the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ, you are not the one coming. I don't want you today. I don't want you. Why do you want to come? Don't come. Paul is saying that... Um, Oh, are you the one coming? <laughs> so Paul is saying that the husband is the head of the wife. And he's saying that as also Christ is the head of the church. When I said the person should be getting ready, that was my cue to you to prepare. You now made me have to tell everybody. Wow. Well, here he comes. Church, make welcome the man. Where is... <laughs> Yeah, who did you vote for yesterday? I don't, I don't, I don't. So, Ephesians chapter 5, Paul is saying, for the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is the head of the church, and he's the savior of the body. And so Paul is talking about this marriage thing, and like men, it's a big deal, and he's even hitting it hard. Like, if you thought it was a big deal, I'm trying to show you, it's even more than you thought. That everything about marriage and the husband and the wife, he's linking it to Christ and the church, and he's telling husbands, he's going on to tell husbands, verse 25, love your wife the way Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. Like, this is a big deal. This is a weight. And, how, and I'm like, man, how can I? I was scared about this. And he's like, let me even make you more scared. Let me show you the standard. The standard is a Christ and the church thing. 
Like, wow! And then as he builds on that narrative, it says in verse 32, this is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. See, marriage is like a mystery. The passion, the love, the intimacy of a man and his wife and all of that going on. And like we can't ever understand it. Like it's just more than what we can see or understand. Paul says, yes, it is a great mystery. But I'll tell you what the real mystery is. The real mystery is that this thing is just like, a, it's just like an icon for a real thing behind it. And the real thing behind it is Christ and the church. And what I want to say today is that as we start to feel the weight of, man, it's intense. Yes. I pray that we would see what God is actually using this to invite us to. And please, if you haven't heard anything I've said today, please stay with me. I'm going somewhere. Can you remember? Let me ask you today. Can you remember your first flight in an aeroplane? Can you remember? Just not. That can either be historic or prophetic. Just say yes. <laughs> but if you remember, you know, the first time going on a flight and you were sitting down, you caught yourself in a moment, tens of thousands of feet above sea level, sitting down in a plane, cruising in like crazy speeds and all of that, getting, you know, just being moved and being carried. And, and there you are, maybe, maybe at first you were a little nervous when, when it started out and you were wondering, but, you know, just some minutes down the line, especially a longer flight, you start to get more used to it. And then, okay, you balanced a bit more, you got a bit more familiar with the sounds. And then you walked and you start walking around. And then, and then one hour in, we see you now, you're even laughing, you're dozing off, you're watching a movie, you are catching a snack, catching a drink. And then it's just now feeling like, oh, yeah, like I'm here. But just catch yourself for a minute. How did you get here? How did you get here? Like, look at yourself up there. Like, you have gone into the clouds. Like, look at yourself. How did you get here? Like, this is crazy. This is, like, did you jump? Did you, what did you do to get here? I'll help you. What you did was that some time ago, you walked into an airport. And as you walked into an airport and then you came and you were asked to identify yourself at whatever level and you brought out some identity and it was verified and based on identity you received acceptance in and then you started to walk past and you, you are checking in your luggages and, and all of that. They said, come and check in. And you said, I don't have any friend here. I want to check in. They said, no, check in your luggage. I said, hey, okay, so let me check in. And as you checked in and you pushed in and, and there was that sense of, no, this can't go. And so you had to start letting go of things that, ah, man, I even need a particular weight. And so you are letting go of things because if I'm going to get to that height, then I'm going to have to come, you know, I'm going to have to come into a size and into a weight. And so you start letting go of things, and there were things that couldn't pass some levels. And ah, you thought hard, and I really like this thing, but if I'm going to go there, then I'm going to let go of this. And so that started to become your story that I have to let go of that attitude because of the height. I have to let go of that thing that I really thought was me because of the height I'm going. I have to let go of something I was so used to, but but I see a height, I see something, I see an invitation. And then I step, and as, and as you yourself were trying to walk through those security checks, and suddenly there was a beep, and oh no, I had to come back, and, and there's still something, I'm hearing a sound, and then I walk through, and there's a beep, there's a detector again, and, and oh man, something is beeping from my past, and there's hurt, and unforgiveness, and oh, I thought I'd gotten over that relationship, but oh, there's a beep, and it's popping out again, and then I have to come back, and there's processing, and I have to deal with things, and I have to let go of things, and get beyond things, and all of that. And if you remember, there were possibly even wrong ways to go about things. We're not too proud to say that, especially if it was an international flight. Maybe there was some immigration officer just that you could just bribe and, you know, just get your way around some stuff and all of that. But you said, no, I want to stay on the right line. I want to do things right. I want to honor the process and all of that. And here you are. And I'm not even saying today, I'm not even trying to suggest today that, oh, everybody up there are perfect people. No, that's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying maybe that they are processed. 
Um, they, they have gone through like a processing. There is a let's go. There is a you will do things this way. There is a you will sit down here. There is a this is what you will do that now puts us in those positions. And as you started to board, there were all the instructions that were given to you. And as you started to board and you were saying, ah, me, I'm the kind of person that anywhere I am in this world, I just like to look out of the windows every night. That's how I look out of there. They said, no, you will sit down. He said, can I just open it and look? They said, no, you will sit down. Ah, and I don't like people that are too legalistic. It's not being legalistic. It's the wisdom of this system, all right? This is how we keep you safe. This is how we protect you. And so there started to be, you'll be taught this. You'll be taught this. You'll be taught how to do this. You'll be taught in case of landing on water. You'll be taught in case of, we'll give you all the instructions and pack it all for you. And then just a little while later, here you are, cruising, tens of thousands above sea level. Why? Because you gave yourself to a system that has the capacity to carry into what you cannot jump into. It's simple. Why am I there? Because I can jump? No, because I gave myself to a system that has what it takes to carry me into what I cannot jump into. And as I think about that today, I think I'm saying that God has a system that can make you what is beyond you. I think I'm trying to say to everybody today that, man, God is showing you the high intensity. And I'm like, yes, I see it. And sometimes it intimidates me and I want to run. And God says, no, don't run. Listen to the whole story. The whole story is that I'm showing you something that is beyond you so that I can make you something that is beyond you. The whole story is that I'm showing you something that you can't do in yourself so that you would rely on me to make you what you cannot be in yourself. I think you are thinking too much about this about the flight being by your energy. We start to say, I'm not the kind of person, I'm not the kind of person that can be committed. But God says, no, the point of this story is that I want to carry you to something that is beyond you. I'm not the kind of person that uh, has it myself. I get tired. I, I feel like if I've loved somebody for five years, for five years, I would just burn out of love. God says, that's the point. I want to bring you into a relentless love of my son on the cross that will burn in you by the passion of the Holy Spirit, that you will become the kind of person you never were. There is nothing about sitting in that aircraft thousands of feet above that is about who you are. And God says, I want to bring you into what is beyond you. You say, man, I'm just kind of person that I run out of ideas quickly. I run out of ideas quickly. When, you know, when, when I've been around somewhere, I just get tired. I, get, I know myself. That's the point. God says, I know you more than you know yourself. I'm inviting you into something that is beyond you. And I pray today that we are hearing it from the lens of God. And I feel like I'll run out of patience. I feel like I'll run out of forgiveness. I feel like even where I am right now, I don't have what it takes. I pray that you are hearing it from the lens of God. We think too much about the flight being by our own energy. But today, hear the invitation that God has a system. He was always thinking about this. And in, in Jesus, what he does, in the model of Jesus and the church, what God does is that he lays a perfect example, but more than just an example, he gives an empowerment for us to be the kind of people that he calls us to be. And so he starts to process us. And as we're walking and God says, man, I see what I'm bringing you into. I see how I'm bringing you to represent this beautiful thing of Christ and the church. And I'm bringing you. And he starts to process us. And we're walking through. And some of you don't understand that there are those beeps going off. And you are in a meeting and a conversation with some of your Christian friends. And you lost your temper. And it's like a beep going on. And God says, yeah, that's the point. I'm calling it out so that I can start to work on you. So that I can start to deal with things. And, and there's a beep that goes on in how your attitude towards money. Because you are broke. You just feel like life has to stop. And there's a beep going on and God says, see, I'm making you a stronger person. And through discipleship and through the church and, and through these moments that we share, God is invested and empowering you and saying, see, I'm processing you, I'm training you, I'm equipping you to be the kind of person that I can put in my system. When I come to church and I'm worshiping and I'm lifting my hands and beautiful moments we had again this moment, you know what I'm doing? I'm learning surrender. 
And I'm learning that my life is not my own. I'm learning that the heights of my life is not about how high I can jump. I'm learning surrender, that my life is given. I'm learning that the one that my life is given to is the one that carries me. That's what I'm learning. And when we start to sing, it's not just, I'm trying to show you that it's not just online moments. It's God walking us through a story and saying, man, see, there is no way in yourself you stand outside that airport and jump and jump and jump and say, yeah, there is no way. You don't have it in yourself. And so God is inviting you to his system through all that he's doing and through these moments and as we're in God's word and as we're being trained and being taught and God is investing in us and we're enjoying these moments and just giving ourselves to God. He's preparing us and processing us to make us the kind of people I can thrive in a system that is beyond us. And it's beautiful for me that he works all of this in me by his spirit. As I come to church again and I see the love and the passion of Jesus. See, my prayer every time is that every time we gather, you can walk out of church and maybe you don't even know too many people around. Maybe you are new or maybe you are. My prayer, my passion is that every single time the doors open, every time we gather at whatever level, wherever we meet, my prayer, my passion is that every single person will see the love and the passion of Jesus. That we will just sense, a, you know, something about a savior who went up on a cross and there was just this love that was given to people that are undeserved and a mercy and a grace that flows out of that are people that don't deserve it and that we would all sense that he's inviting us to that story and as we walk through the scripture it's the same thing we see that God tells Hosea go and get married to this prostitute she doesn't deserve it she's failing and I don't even know where you are on that journey today where you are on your journey of marriage and of building and all of that but what I want to say today is that as we see the example of Jesus then we can also say we'll be those kind of people that are empowered to walk in it and as long as it lies with me, I'll be pursuing reconciliation. I'll be pursuing healing. And maybe there's stuff today that is not in your control. Because like Jose and Goma, the truth is Goma is going to make her decisions and sometimes she'll do what she wants to do. But what God set up with the prophet was a narrative of because of the way God has loved you, I want you to demonstrate in what you do to a wife. And so he starts to pursue and pursue. And can everything about my even marriage experience point me to the relentless love of God for me? Can I see in the failure of my spouse that it's not even about them? It's a bigger story of how I myself have failed God. It's a bigger story of how I myself don't deserve to be loved and don't deserve to be forgiven. And there's a bigger story of who Christ has been to me as a Christian and if I start to play that out with my spouse that what we'll realize is that we're coming into a God system that God is big about and as I think about this I think maybe maybe one more thing we should say is that sometimes it actually gets really rough sometimes you're on that flight and then it starts to get bumpy and there's turbulence and all of that happening the, the weather and you know just all of that happening I've said to you today, it does happen, but I'm so glad in those moments that the pilot doesn't go silent. I'm so glad in those moments that you would hear those beautiful words of the pilot announcing and say, you know what, we've got turbulence here, but it's okay. What we'll do, everybody go back to your seat. Everybody make sure you stay seated. We're going to clear this. It's going to be fine. We're going to come through this, all right? It's a season. And sometimes I want to say that maybe you're walking a marriage story. Maybe you're walking a season of your life right now and it feels bumpy. What I want to say, it's going to be okay. Maybe you need to go back to the basics. Maybe you need to go back to your seat and go back to the basics of what it means to love and the example of Jesus. But listen, seasons will come and go it's going to be okay it's going to be fine seasons will pass let me say one last thing before I close um, I, really, I really like aviation, I really like technology generally I just think it's a great blessing from God um, and it's amazing that you can be sitting thousands of feet above sea level, it's crazy that human beings would imagine getting themselves there 
and you see the system and I've tried to show you even like the procedures and the airplane and the whole idea of just even putting human beings in there and just going up. Seconds. It's crazy. But let me tell you what I think would even be more crazy. I think it would be more crazy if, and, and technology is not here, but I think it would be more crazy if, if, you know, I got to the airport, I missed my flight and all of that, and somebody who was in charge of that whole system could say to me that, oh, wait a minute, you missed your flight. Yes, we have this whole system where we check you in, we process and all of that to put you on an airplane to take you up and get you here. But uh, because you missed that, because we are the ones that have that system, you know what we can do? We figure something out and uh, you just stand on this launch pad and uh, don't worry, you didn't get in the plane, but we can get you to where the plane gets because we are the ones that got the plane to be there. And so we just launch you up and there you are maybe in five seconds boom you just take off and you find yourself no plane nothing but you are just next to an aeroplane wouldn't that be amazing and then looking out of their window you are looking into their window you're just cruising and, and all of that but but the person that had the technology to put an aeroplane there um should have the technology to get there without the aeroplane they put there um, but that's where technology has all its limitations and it's not god but hear me well today this is what I'm trying to say. The ultimate that you were looking for from the word go was not just to get into an airplane. It was to get somewhere. It was to say, man, let me hit the skies or let me hit that destination. It wasn't just about the means to that. And I think today that as much as we acknowledge and we would say that an airplane is a well-defined system to achieve that means, I think that maybe just thinking about it as being equal to the means might be limiting. Because if I'm saying that God has this whole picture of what he's doing between Christ and the church and then he says, man, let me give the example through marriage, then thinking that God is limited in his conversation by the example is limited. So thinking that the only way God can say what he's trying to say is by giving the same example he has been given is limiting. The example is beautiful and it's so good to see that the example can achieve it. But I'm saying, if God is God and he's not under the limitations of technology, I think God can do what he would do, even without using the same example. So here's what I'm trying to say. I want to speak to people today who, for some reason or the other, would say that, you know, life has put me where I am. I'm not in a plane, as you described the analogy. I'm not in a plane. And maybe I'm not even on a boarding line. There's a sense of, oh, yes, I'm not in the plane, but this is the boarding line, and I see the process that is building up there. Maybe I'm not even in the boarding line. Maybe for you, it is a sense of, I was in a plane, but there was a crash, or there was something, and man, the crash can be very painful, and there's hurt, and all of that. Or maybe it is even a sense of, ah, man, maybe by reason of things that are not in my control, I just don't see myself even on that line. Maybe it's been delayed. And it's not even in my hands to affect the delay. It's one thing to say that, man, I can make choices and just put myself on the bottom line. It's another thing to say it's not even in my hands to affect that. So what I would say is that, you know, the Bible starts with a marriage between a man and a woman. But it is pointing towards something and it eventually leads to that because the Bible closes with a marriage between Jesus and the church. And so if that was really the point then I think we shouldn't underrate God's ability to get us to the point without using the example that he gives. And I think what I'm trying to say today is that in Jesus, there is such a sufficiency. There is a deeper invitation that he can invite you to say, oh, you missed the example, the example, oh, no, don't worry. I can take you where I'm taking you without even using the example I've been using. And I think what I'm trying to say today is that people can God can play people, but people cannot play God. And so when you read through the narrative of the Bible, there's no sense in which a human being can be God. People cannot play God. God will not share his glory with people. But listen, God can play people. 
And so you'll see in the scripture, God talking about himself as being, I'll be the father to the fatherless. That is God playing a human role in your life. God says, I'll be the husband to the widow. That is God being, having the ability to play a human role in your life. And what I'm trying to say is that if God can play people, then by the sufficiency of who Jesus is, I think there's a deeper invitation. That we can allow the real human need that we feel, the real human vacuum that we feel to point us to Jesus in a deeper way. Let me even just chip in and say that if at the rapture he's going to take you sky high without an aeroplane, then I think he can do the equivalent for you now. That he can be nearer to you in your deepest place of longing. He can be nearer to you through the process of real human need that you can know intimacy and sufficiency of Jesus um, even without him using the marriage example. So the big question that I think I'm throwing to you all as you sit in that cruise, everybody who is in that air cruise sitting in there and, you know, in an experience of what you couldn't make happen for yourself and all of that, I think the big suggestion for me is that it's not even first about who you are married to, um, but I think it's about who you are being carried by. Who you are married by and who you are carried by. What does your marriage sit in today? You see, you can be married to a high-jump a high jump gold champion. And two of you love yourself. You are committed. And you both say, because of the commitment, both of us, you won gold medal in Olympics last time. Me, I won gold medal in Olympics this time. And we are committed. And we both love ourselves. Oh, yeah, let's be jumping. And you both are lovingly committed to jump. And somebody else who has never won a gold medal in high jump walks into an aeroplane. They will go higher than you can ever dream because of what is carrying them. And what I'm saying today is that the beauty of what we would find it's not about our personal strength. It's about who is carrying us. Are you positioning your home for God to carry it? In a moment, I'm going to be inviting couples and we're going to be renewing vows and all of that. And we're going to be praying. I'm believing God over every marriage and church. I want you to see it for what it is. I want you to see the weight for what it is. Today, I'm not asking you, you know, who you're married to or who you plan to be married to and whether they have failures and limitations or even you yourself because we all have failures and limitations. But I'm asking today who you are married by. I'm asking today what your marriage stands in, what you are carried by, what is carrying you. Let's resolve today to be people that enjoy the bliss and the beauty of being married and carried by God. Let's resolve to be people that are in a cruise that we couldn't make happen for ourselves because we surrendered ourselves to a system that carries us. Let's resolve to be those kind of people today. Today I'm asking, is your marriage a Jesus story? Is your marriage, is it a splash of a bigger story? Is your marriage a Jesus story? To be married and to be carried by God. Would you stand to your feet this morning? And um, I'm going to do this in two parts. I'm going to first of all be making an invitation to every one of us to just make a recommitment to doing a Jesus thing in a Jesus way. I don't know where you are on that story, whether it's something you're looking forward to, something that you are already in, there's something that you've had experiences around and all of that. But today I'm asking you to, for a recommitment to a Jesus thing in a Jesus way. So can we just take a moment, everybody, would you bow your head and just say in the name of Jesus, I commit myself to a God story. From where I am right now, I commit myself to be carried in a rhythm that only God can bring me into. I commit myself to a God story in a God way. I commit myself to a God thing in a God way. And would you pray for yourself today that as I 
figure all of this out, as I figure out seasons, as I figure out times, as I make decisions, as I love, as I forgive, as I walk story, make plans, and just every landmark moment, God, I pray, let this be a God story. Let this be a God story. I pray to be carried, to be carried by the grace of God. I pray today that I would walk in what I could not make happen for myself. We're thinking about the flights too much by our ability to jump. But today I'm inviting us to a system that God himself blesses and that God breeds on. Somebody just say today that in Jesus' name I surrender. I surrender to a God story. I surrender to a God story. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that the winds will favor your people. I pray the winds will no longer be contrary to your people. I was praying last night for marriages and for homes and I heard God say those words to me. That the winds are going to start to favor you. The winds will no longer be contrary to you. The winds will not be contrary to you. God, I prayed for people. We live in very turbulent times. We live in times that are surrounded and there are noises, there are voices. But God, I pray because you you have invited us to a God thing because you have invited us and you are telling a story God you are doing a thing God I pray that the winds will not be contrary to your people but I pray that in the name of Jesus more than ever before your people are cruising on the winds of your spirit your people are gaining height and are gaining speed I heard the Lord say that marriages will be better and sweeter than ever I prayed in the name of Jesus that Lord homes and marriages and parenting and just the story of what you invite people to do Lord will be better and will be sweeter than ever and Lord today I pray let there be miracles of restoration let there be miracles of healing where there is brokenness where the enemy has stepped in and has put pain God I pray today that in these moments we will celebrate let there be miracles of healing and of restoration and of fresh vision God and of fresh height and of fresh speed and of new grace in the name of Jesus God, we thank you for it and we give you the glory. And today, I want to particularly, we're going to do this in two parts, but I want to lead everybody who is single this morning. I mean, by that I mean you're not married, you're not in a marriage. I want to lead you and I'm going to lead you to say some words first of all. Um, would you say this morning, because when you're single and you're looking from the outside, it's important that you have your sight right. So would you say this morning, in the name of Jesus, I receive a God perspective about marriage say I'm not pursuing it in the wrong ways or for the wrong reasons say I surrender anew to be walked in a God story from where I am to where he's bringing me to say I will honor what is honorable say I will walk in wisdom I will walk in faithfulness I will walk in integrity and somebody say I receive healing where I'm wounded and I say yes to the beauty of Jesus. Say that again. I don't know who you're going to say yes to, but first of all, let's start from here. Say, I say yes to the beauty of Jesus. Let's say that one more time. I say yes to the beauty of Jesus. Who says amen to that? Amen. Now, while we stand, if we can just close our eyes and bow our heads, I want to give somebody a moment to say yes to Jesus. I don't know who you are, how you came to be in church today. I don't know what life is like for you, where you are on your journey. But I always just love to hand out that moment because somebody came to church today, maybe in the building or online somewhere, and it's not in the right place with God. You know, that's the biggest miracle that can ever happen in your life. I don't know who you are. I don't know what life is like for you. Life can be life. 
But man, Jesus is Jesus. And today I'm inviting you to the beauty of Jesus. I'm inviting you to the beauty of a Savior who knows you, who knows your worst. But today is inviting you to his best. He knows where you have failed. He knows, he knows, he knows every detail. There's nothing hidden from him. But today he's inviting you to a beautiful story of his love for you. And I don't know who you are. Maybe at some point you had made a decision to follow Jesus. But as we speak today, you know you're far away. You know you failed. You've maybe living in sin. You're far away from God. And today you want it to be the day that I would find reconciliation with my Savior. That I can stand face to face before an almighty God who made everything. And one day will judge me. And I can be in a right standing. You know what? There's a miracle about to happen. Because if you say yes to Jesus, he's going to set you right today. So I'm going to ask everybody as we stand to just bow our heads and close our eyes. And a friend needs this moment. Let's be believing for a friend today. I saw a miracle again in first service. And I'm believing that there's somebody, there's people under my voice today and need to say yes to Jesus. So if you say you're speaking to me, I want to take the moment. I'm going to count to three. And right where you are on the count of three, I want you to put your hand on your chest. See, Jesus sees you. Whether you're in this room or you're online, he sees you and he knows you. And he sees you taking a stand for him today. Are you ready? One, two, three. Put your hand on your chest right where you are. And let's kickstart a miracle in your life today. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you. Everybody who is doing that this morning. God bless you. That's a miracle happening in your life right now. You know what? This is a family on the crowd. I'm going to have all of us say prayer together. And if your hand is on your chest, whether you're in the building or you're online, I want you to say it with confidence, knowing that God hears your words today. Can we all say together today, Heavenly Father, I come to you today. Because you've made a way for me to come. Through the death, the burial, and the resurrection of your son Jesus. I believe with all my heart that Jesus Christ is the son of God and is the savior of the world. I believe he died a death I deserve to die. So that I can have a life I don't deserve to have. Say today, I boldly declare Jesus Christ as my Savior and my Lord. Please forgive me of the past. I give everything to follow you. I will follow you all the days of my life. Please fill me with your grace and I'll never be the same. Say one day I'll be with you in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us here at Sycamore Church. If you pray that prayer at the end, we are so excited about your decision for Jesus and we would love to help you get established in your relationship with him. So please let us know about your decision at www.sycamore.church forward slash Jesus. There, you'll also find all kinds of resources to help you build your relationship with Jesus. If you enjoyed this message, we would love for you to subscribe wherever you are listening or visit www.sycamore.church forward slash resources. Again, thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time.